Hello and welcome back to There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm your host, TK, a teacher and pop culture enthusiast. In this episode, the second entry in the Character Analysis Spotlight series, in which I'm joined by return guest Danny to dig into Steve Rogers' character arc in the MCU. That's right, an entire episode dedicated to my number one favorite character in the MCU, Steve Rogers. All things Steve, let's go. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can follow me for updates and behind-the-scenes extras at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter, and please consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also support the podcast by purchasing There Was an Idea merchandise from Spring. The link is in the show notes. Enjoy the episode. Today, I am excited to welcome a very special return guest back to the podcast. I'm joined by Danny, a writer and a listener-turned-contributor here at There Was an Idea, who you may have heard on the show during the runs of Loki and of Hawkeye. If you haven't checked out those appearances from Danny, do yourself a favor and make sure you do after listening to this one, because he always brings such a thoughtfulness and insight into our conversations. And I am thrilled to partner with him today to talk about our shared favorite character in the MCU, Steve Rogers. Danny, welcome back. What's new with you since we last heard from you? Oh, thank you so much for having me, Tara. I really, really appreciate it, especially to talk about, you know, Steve Rogers, the original Captain America. As you said, both of our favorites mean so much to us. Basically, yeah, I've been looking to get more into the comic writing. Um, so stay tuned for more of that and other creative projects. But yeah, it's just been um very, very busy with work and busy with the recent promotion and everything. So that's been keeping a lot of the time occupied, but I still got to see um, Batman, like we discussed, and keeping up with the superhero pop culture movies in that sense. So Yes, before we uh, turn the recorder on, Danny and I got to talk a little bit about the Batman, which is, it's so interesting, right? Because we've chosen to spend some time with Steve Rogers, who on the surface is like such a different character (laughs) from Batman. And yet I had to find myself when watching the Batman last week and doing some thinking about Batman, I had to find myself thinking about some of those similarities and differences between these two characters. Is that something that was on your mind as you were preparing for this episode and also thinking about Batman? Yes, um, definitely in some ways kind of comparing the two and I guess their evolution, especially since the movie had just come out. But I think just the overall feelings on this episode too, it's 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 kind of nice doing this episode in, in like retrospect and like looking back and, you know, from from what we've known so far that we haven't had a new appearance recently for Steve Rogers. So kind of like being able to kind of look at his whole storyline and his whole growth throughout. It's really nice like time to do this. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And that's very much what I am uh, looking to to enjoy about these character analysis spotlights. And this is, of course, the second in this series that I'm calling character analysis spotlights. Listeners can check out the first entry, which dropped a few weeks ago and features a discussion that I had with Ellie of the O Shoot podcast about Peter Parker. And as you said, Danny, and as I mentioned on that episode, you know, one of the things we love about the MCU is the ways in which the characters are developed over the course of multiple entries. I've talked about how the MCU storytelling structure, it's all about that zooming in and out on various points of the timeline and deepening our relationships to the characters in that way. So to your point, for us to have the opportunity to look back on a character's journey and reflect and really watch that evolution over those multiple entries with some time and now um, being detached a little bit from 
the current appearances of that character and thinking more about the legacy, it's been really, really fun and really rich to, to revisit some of these character arcs. So as we did with Peter Parker, we're going to look at this character. We're going to look at Steve Rogers, dive into his story arc, explore his identity journey, and think about his growth in order to pinpoint what his story is really all about. I'm excited to get started and dive deeper into someone who means so much to us. <laughs> so, Danny, do you know or do you want to venture a guess on how many minutes of screen time Chris Evans as Steve Rogers has had in the MCU? Oh, wow. Um, let's see. Five, six movies or three solely his movies, but Civil War, I know, is kind of like an Avengers 2.0. Um, I don't even know. I'm trying to think like, I guess 90 minutes or something. What is yeah. wild is I saw this and I can't cite my sources on this. I saw this as a, an infographic that popped up around the time when I was really digging into revisiting Steve's arc. Apparently, he, he has had the second highest number of minutes of screen time in the MCU, second to Tony Stark. Tony Stark has 359 minutes of screen time. Steve Rogers, 244 minutes of screen time across what I believe is seven movies. First Avenger, Avengers, Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. Age of Ultron, Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame. I guess Spider-Man Homecoming, they count those scenes. With, um, just as, I mean, that's not much of a screen time, but just the, um, that's true. the scenes at the gym and everything. And yeah, they probably counted that into the 244 minutes total. An interesting little nugget of information there. Again, I don't know exactly where that came from and if if different groups have calculated that uh, and come to a different number. But I, I do think it's interesting yeah, that Steve Rogers here is, of course, one of the OG6 Avengers, one of the, the big three, if you want to call he and, and Tony and Thor that. And uh, while he doesn't touch the number of minutes that Tony has had, it's still it's still up there. I was going to say, yeah, my guess was way off. I was, I guess, was thinking of all those, all those team up movies and all the people he shares the spotlight with, but way, way off there. But yeah. And I think if we were to calculate minutes of screen time that are just focused on him as opposed to where he appears, right? There's a lot of questions that need to go into this data. And so I'm citing it here as, as uh, kind of an incomplete, incomplete data set. But uh, I thought it was interesting nonetheless. And all of this to say that it is, Kind of a daunting task to talk about all things Steve Rogers. So we're going to attempt to structure our conversation in a way that will hope that will hopefully allow us to touch on the highlights while we acknowledge that there's no way that we can talk about everything related to this character. So of course we're going to start with what is it about Steve Rogers that resonates with us? Why do we love this character so much? Um, well, I guess to start us off on that one. I think in general, just the the fact that he is kind of so pure in that way and that he is good for the sake of being good, that there's not, you know, ulterior motives there. That's kind of who he is from the start. And I think that and other things that make a lot of fans think he's kind of like a square and kind of like um, (laughs) thick and more boring and not as interesting. I think that's um, what I do love about him. I do like kind of just throwing someone in there that always tries to do what's right. And that's who he is from the start. You know, his, his strength and his powers don't change that. They just give him more of a means and a chance to actually, like, practice that and actually, like, practice what he preaches, standing up for people and freedom. So that is, like, a, a big core of it, I think. And just his, like, belief in others, his faith in people um, is really, really 
similar to like how I feel about others and just the world. So I love that he kind of like, again, he always tries to do what is right. He has this, this faith in people and more just that emphasis on, on being good, you know, on doing his best in that sense. Like it doesn't have to be the smartest. He's often surrounded by people who are smarter with them. People are stronger with him in a lot of these movies, but I don't think that he's like put under a shadow or anything because of that, because that's just, you know, who he is at his core still shines through his moral compass and through the fact that he always tries to do what is right and be a good person. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's funny, a lot of the people that I've talked to for the podcast kind of fall into one or two camps. There's people like you and me, Danny, and our friend Trey at MCU Need to Know, who are big fans and love all of the things about Steve Rogers that you just mentioned. But there's there's that camp of people for whom the character doesn't resonate quite as much. And, uh, and that's absolutely a valid experience, but couldn't be me. I, I, I feel like this character speaks to so much of what I admire. Some of the things in addition to what you've already mentioned and I'll kind of just list some of these qualities now and we'll we'll get into them more deeply as we have our discussion about specific quotes and specific moments later. But his leadership, uh, his his strong sense of himself, the ways in which he demonstrates being reflective and being responsive as opposed to reactive, he kind of always thinks that he's right. And yet somehow it doesn't come off as arrogant. There's this wonderful quality about Steve where he's he's confident and he believes in doing right, as you said. He believes in good, as you said. And he is so strong in his convictions and his principles, but it doesn't come off in this way where he's pushing his ideas onto other people or that he's being haughty in some unearned type of way. He just he just owns it. It's so uh, inspirational. As you said, his faith in people is a huge part of what I admire about Steve. And there's some interesting things to this character as well. I'm really fascinated by the conflicts that are created by his being a man out of time, by his being taken from the context that he that he grew up in and that he became Captain America in and placed into a different century. There's something really fascinating about that. Yeah, I think um, um, with that being said, that there's, you know, that's what I love about some of the stories that he's in and some of the things that he's thrown into because it is so different from how he started. You know, it's yeah. it's about, sure, this character that that when people say is, is again, everyone's entitled to, to their opinion and who resonates well with them. But when they say he's kind of like more so a square, it's like, he'd say they're right, for example, like take that square and put him in a completely new environment, completely new world, new challenges, and and see how he adapts to that. And I think that's what makes make a lot of the stories really, really rich, like starting off with Winter Soldier and beyond. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that's a great point too, right? So we love the character, but also the stories that come from from this character because there's such a, a such a richness to the whole premise of of who this character is, who, who of course, as we'll acknowledge, is not created for the MCU. We are going to be specifically focusing on the MCU portrayal of Steve Rogers as played by Chris Evans. But of course, the character has had a long history inspired by the comics. The last thing that I'll mention in terms of something that I find interesting about this character is his weapon, the symbol associated with him the being the shield. It's always been so interesting to me that his weapon that he fights with 
offensively is actually a weapon of defense, is a shield. And I don't know if I have much more to say about that in any hugely um, analytical way, but it is just something that I've always noted and found interesting. It's a really cool visual signifier of who who this hero is. Yeah, no, I think it's um, when you bring that up, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is, is you know, so often the comparison is Tony or Steve um, in a lot of different ways in Civil War and beyond. But just thinking about his suit, you know, it's still created for good purposes, kept in his own hands. He wants to, you know, fix the mistakes of his company and his past. But it's very much a suit made for offense with all these different weapons, whereas you just have Captain America still with so much physical power, but choosing a shield as opposed to something that could be like, in some people's opinions, maybe more effective than a shield or maybe more, um, I guess, able to kind of deal damage on on the bad guys in that sense. So the fact that he's using such a defensive weapon, it could even lend to the fact that he, he isn't necessarily just, just fighting to fight or isn't like, he doesn't thrive in the violence or the conflict, um, which with his leadership skills, he can sometimes thrive in it, but mm-hmm. he doesn't like seek it out or he doesn't do it for no reason. I'm always interested too when it comes to these heroes. And I've had this conversation regarding Spider-Man. It's interesting to me when the tool, the technology, whatever it might be, is used by the by the hero as a tool for achieving their purpose, but in and of itself, it is not the purpose, right? Uh, it is not the identity. As much as we identify it with him, right? The, the shield is, you know, what you associate most with Captain America. We've seen over the course of his appearances in the MCU, and I'm sure we're going to talk about some of them today, we've seen that his own relationship to the shield is one in which it's not who he is. And he has made that made that clear. Mm-hmm. Or he outgrows kind of the, the idea that people have of him or yes. the idea that people have of the shield. So we talked a little bit about what we love about this character, what resonates with us. But one of the things that you brought up, Danny, is that these characters and this character, Steve Rogers, specifically for both of us, has also had like a real impact on our on our lives and that we have this real personal connection to. So in what way has Steve Rogers had an impact on you? Yeah, definitely. And to start off, I think his, his portrayal by Chris Evans has really been amazing. I think I fortunately got the opportunity to meet Chris Evans at one point and he was just, you know, because of my love for Steve Rogers and the character that he portrays, it was that much more special. And even at the surface level, honestly, he, he kind of kicked off my superhero obsession, I guess. Um, I had watched the movies before, but again, it was like, might've mentioned this before, but it was mostly like Winter Soldier that really like change that being a big fan to being like more obsessed with the movies and following them religiously and everything like that. Um, Again, it's just really refreshing with all the, like, yes, I do love having these complex characters today, but it's refreshing to see someone who is good for the sake of good. I think his moral compass and the core of who he is, it really resonates with me and how I see the world and how I kind of go about just living it, you know, always trying to do good, always trying to be better in that way um but knowing like he kind of exemplifies that again you don't need to be the um the best at everything or the strongest or the smartest i think that was really important to me for me as a hero to like look up to knowing that their main thing is is not being the most powerful or being the Mm. most intelligent or any of these things it's being good and trying to do what is right at the end of the day so i think that's something that i've always kind of took with me um of course before knowing the character as well, but ever since 
knowing the character is kind of giving me that, you know, hero to aspire to in, in that sense. And in terms of his lifestyle and worldview and just how he goes about things. Yeah, I relate to a lot of what you're saying. I know you've mentioned to me before, you had the opportunity to meet Chris Evans at, a, was it Ace Comic Con or? Yes, yes. Um, so those are like, I haven't seen them as much recently. I, I think this is more, I think before the pandemic, they've been doing more virtual things yeah. since, but they're basically like, I like to think of them as like celebrity cons. They do have like other aspects, but the main drawing is just who they're able to get. Um, they've gotten a ton of people like Sebastian Stan, Anthony Mackie. Um, uh, I got to meet Tom Hiddleston and, and um, Elizabeth Olsen there, which so Elizabeth, cool. both of them, I guess, were nice because not knowing they'd, they'd get their own shows and still be around. But yeah, that's when I also got to meet Chris Evans. Um, what year was this? Go home. Um, this was 2018, so cool. the fall 2018. Whole VIP package is all like, I had this poster um, signed where it was actually, I got it at New York Comic Con. It was basically like, you know, how I felt about him in that picture. It was like a little boy looking up to a, um, sort of like a, like a, military picture but it basically had captain america in the middle so it's like him looking up to cap as, as a hero which oh, that's kind of awesome. how i feel and i still feel so getting him to sign that was like extra special in that sense oh i love that story that makes me feel like chills for you even though this was a few years ago <laughs> but um but I, I i feel that in my bones that's that's such a such a beautiful moment that you were able to to meet him and and have that connection. I appreciate you saying that. I very nervous leading up to that, but I did get to say the one line of just like, you know, and thanking him for portraying the character and, and letting him know that his character meant so much to me and Captain America meant so much to me. And he seemed like genuinely grateful and genuinely genuinely like thankful what oh, he said. So that's so wonderful. Yeah, you know, it really helps our love for the character that the actor who portrays him seems like such a kind and thoughtful person and uh, does such important work in educating people about politics and just uses his platform and uses his voice for for being a good influence in the real world. So it, it makes it really easy to root for root for all things related to to Steve Rogers and Chris Evans, who just seems like such a genuinely nice person. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah, just to reinforce his impact on my life. It's funny. I feel like around friends and, and family and people I'm kind of like, you know, referred to as Captain America a lot because of my love for him or because of, because of um, I guess, how I try to live my life as him. You know, I did a cosplay of him, I think that same year that I met him and just have my own shield up more. The Captain America merchandise has gotten out of hand where I had to tell people, like, <laughs> stop getting me that for, like, Secret Santas or holidays. Or <laughs> I still very much feel that way about the character and it definitely still has big impact in my life in that way. Oh, that's so wonderful. I, I love that. I love knowing that about you too, Danny, because we're, we're obviously getting to know each other through working together on the podcast. And just knowing that that's a, a nickname that people have for you in your life makes me really, makes me really happy because you also know how much I love the character. And I relate a lot to what you're saying in terms of seeing, seeing Captain America, seeing Steve Rogers as an aspirational hero. Last year, maybe even more than a year ago now, the folks over at the Avengers podcast, they, they used to be known as MCU in Review, and they put out a, a call for 
hey, listeners, who do you identify with in the MCU? And I sent them a voice note. This is before I had them on my show, before I was on their show. And I sent them a voice note. And I just said, you know, listener of the show and heard how you guys are mixed on Captain America. But Captain America is my guy. Like, this is the, this is who I like to say I identify with. But it's more about how I aspire to to bring his qualities into my own life. And one of the things I spoke about with them was how inspired I feel by his role as a leader and as a, a, a mentor and a teacher in a way. And in my own life as a teacher, as someone who I know that young people look up to me, right? I know that I am in this position of influence, that uh, I need to do the right thing with it, right? How, how do I want people to to look up to me? I know that I am in charge of uh, imparting wisdom and knowledge in, into young people. And that feels like a big responsibility, but it's something that, you know, I, I try to go into every day and try to do to do the best I can. And, and there's specifically a line, and we might talk about it again later, but the line he says to Wanda about when he says this job, we try to save as many people as we can. Sometimes that doesn't mean everybody, but if we can't find a way to live with that, then maybe next time nobody gets saved. And and it's this line where, I, you know, I don't view that as defeatism. I view that as we're going to do the best we can every single day to, in my, in my case, I'm thinking of it not as saving, but as like reaching people, right? Like reaching kids, right? Sometimes you don't get through to everybody, but you you keep trying because it's worth it because you reach some people and you have to accept accept that it's not going to be perfect and yet you keep doing it anyway because it's the right thing to do. And so that's something that I I feel like guides me a lot. In addition to that, that the compromise where you can when you can't don't, right? The no you move line which is not said by Steve Rogers in the MCU, though it is said by Steve Rogers in the comics, but it is a line that is still associated with Steve Rogers in the MCU, obviously coming from from Peggy Carter, delivered by Sharon Carter, and in a scene in which Steve is clearly soaking it up and and really taking that in in the way that he then acts in, in the rest of Civil War. So those those are just things that I feel like have really had an impact on me day to day, as much as that might sound a little bit corny or whatever it might be is really is a fictional character who I've I have had instances where I've thought to myself like what would Steve Rogers do right here right like how can I um really embody some of those qualities that I look up to so much no definitely and I think um well again you know teaching is definitely one of the most important things you can do I think shaping future generations in that sense and I think just what you said about aspiring to to do better, that accountability that that he expresses and that leadership and that um, perseverance that he expresses. I think one thing that's interesting, again, we'll, maybe we'll touch on this later, but how he's called, like sort of he's grouped with the rest of the Avengers by Hawkeye's wife and called like a god. Um, yeah. They're all gods, she says. And I think that for me, I don't like, see him in that way as much because yes he does have this physical strength and he does have this edge over other people and these opportunities because of where he is but at the same time it's just you know those things aren't the strength isn't isn't the the defining factor as we said it's something to aspire to it doesn't feel like he's this unattainable person it's like looking right. up to him is like oh you know it's it doesn't feel hopeless to look up to captain american always try to do what's right it just seems more 
inspirational, motivational in that way. I absolutely agree, right? Not all of us are going to have uh, the money or technology that Tony Stark has. Is there still a way to aspire to some of Tony Stark's qualities? Sure. Um, not mm-hmm. all of us are, are, well, I don't think any of us are literal gods in the way that Thor is a god or would have his physical strength, right? But there is something mm-hmm. so, and we've talked about it with other characters like Natasha and Clint, but when we see the the human in these characters, that gives us something to really, really connect to. And as much as obviously Steve is beyond the the realm of your average human in a lot of ways, uh, there is still something so, so real to him. Mm, that very human struggle. Yes. Yes, exactly. Because while none of us can relate to being frozen on ice and then being pulled back into the world a hundred years later, not quite a hundred years later, 70 years later, uh, we can't relate to that specifically, but we certainly can relate to some of the internal conflicts that things like that might bring up for us. So, And I think of his his whole readjusting of the world in times of um, in times of great change or in times of yeah. life where you just have to adapt to different things that happen or completely new environments. So I think there's still like ways to, to pull those stories, even if they are like things we'll never specifically go through, um, still things that we can kind of take from and, and relate to our lives. 100%. And I think that that transitions really nicely into our next prompt, which is to think about what are the big themes that stand out as being integral to this character's story? Like in Steve Rogers' character arc, what is there an idea about? Yeah, um, I definitely feel like I was trying to like think of it and, you know, all the different adjectives, words, um, ways you can kind of pinpoint um, things that were most consistent through every movie, you know, thinking about things like compassion or perseverance or, or the fight and everything but i think the uh, the two words that came up the most in my mind the, the two biggest themes were faith and freedom because mm-hmm. i think those are things we see time and time again those are things that stick stay true to his core and true to who he is despite the different circumstances on which he has to i guess kind of which these themes are presented in in terms of you know freedom being freedom from whom freedom um, in what way, whether it's it's the Red Skull and Hydra, or whether it's, you know, Shield and Hydra, um, or more tyrannical forces like Thanos or, or Ultron or, or different people like this. It's, freedom is always a big one for him, as is faith and this faith and love for people and just belief in them and belief in his choices as well as other people's abilities to make the right choice. Yeah, and I'm thinking about your your comments about relating to perhaps being thrown into unfamiliar situations or having to adapt, right? And what are those core values in you that don't change? So, right, like what are those? So what we see with Steve is that those core values of faith, faith in people and freedom and fighting for freedom, being willing to pay the price, these are the consistent things, as you said, that are at his core, no matter what. It doesn't matter what context that he's in. And one of the things that I was looking at this most recent time when I revisited his journey and what I did, I don't know how you approached this, but there are there's a lot of Steve Rogers in the MCU. We already mentioned 244 minutes. And so going into this episode, I rewatched all of the Steve scenes and that didn't mean I, I did. I just frankly did not have time to watch all of the full seven movies that he was in. 
but I actually, and this was difficult because I was watching the Steve scenes and then found myself getting engaged in the movies <laughs> and then um, wanting to continue watching parts of like Civil War, Infinity War. And then I had to be like, okay, no, in interest of time, I'm going to just stick to Steve here. But all of that to say, one of the things that I looked at in this most recent time of looking at his journey is, okay, how, like, why is it that he is so good at um, being able to know who he is despite the context around him changing? And I realized that there really is something to his story. His story is not about figuring out who he is. He has such a good sense of who he is, but there is this sense of finding purpose or having to rethink what his purpose is over the course of his time in the MCU and finding home. Like, what does that mean for him, right? What does it mean for him to be able to go home? And this is something I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later, but it was interesting to see those those um, parts of his story evolve. And I'll be honest too, I, I had some insight that I think I gained from this most recent rewatch of the Steve story that I don't think I had access to before. So it, it was a really not only fun exercise to go through, but it was really worthwhile in that I, I think it revealed some aspects to the character that I hadn't quite touched yet. How did you approach this? Did you approach it similarly? Um, yes, not in the sense of watching every single Steve scene. And also similar to you, I knew that how don't think it wasn't kind of hard to <laughs> watch all of the movies yeah. he was in. I've been meaning to do a rewatch because I feel like it's funny in my mind, I, I'd watched them so much um, and still do, but it, I, I wanted to let a little time pass to like appreciate them more. So I'm ready to get back into yeah. it. But I think how I approached this episode specifically was more so some of those standout scenes, some of those best lines, um, not only thinking about them, but watching the scenes in which he says them, will say them about him or to him. Um, so kind of looking at it through that lens and really just um, taking more of a focused approach on, you know, his, his lineage, I guess, and his, his yeah. progression through the story. I think one thing that, that, like I said about the timing of us having this discussion now, one thing that's really nice about this is getting to look at it after Falcon the Winter Soldier came out and after his legacy yes. and seeing once more how people view him in hindsight, which again, I'm sure we'll touch on more, but that I think is the more unique insight of, of my reflecting on him that I got at this time around because I'm a year ago or not too long ago, we really didn't have that um, context or that kind of like hindsight of like, well, this is how the world now views him after he's done everything that you know, we have seen in the movies. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And I am looking forward to getting to that that part of our conversation about his legacy. So on that note, one of the things that we did this in the Peter Parker episode as well, and one of the things that we're going to do in this character analysis spotlight is try to pinpoint a few quotes, a few standout lines from any of the appearances of the character in which other characters describe him. How do other characters describe Steve? And then we'll look at a few lines where Steve describes himself and and see uh, what we're seeing there. Is there consistency? Is there conflict? And what might that say about the character? So starting with how other characters perceive or describe him, what are some lines that stood out to you, Danny? I guess that kind of looked at this like approached in the chronology sort of way too, just to like see his evolution. Um... But 
I guess one big one is like in his final confrontation with Red Skull at the end of um, First Avenger, when he basically says to him, you are deluded, Captain. You know, you pretend to be a simple soldier, but in reality, you're just afraid to admit that we have left humanity behind. Unlike you, I embrace it proudly and without fear. Um, I think that's just kind of highlighting and putting more of a focus on how these powers didn't change him with him just having gotten in this movie. Um, he still has those humble beginnings and that, that attitude and that core that we will see throughout the series, but especially now that, yes, he does have a lot more power to think himself above other people or kind of like use it for, for evil, use it to have dominion or dominate other people in that sense. So I think this, uh, it's a good line to capture that Red Skull does think he's kind of a fool for not um, using that power yeah. in that sense or using it to do more and to do harm. Um, but it shows how he, power didn't corrupt him. Um, and it, you see that it really doesn't. He's who he is. Like that sense of self that you said, power or not. Yeah, that's a great line. Very much connected to to his arc in in that movie as well. And, and I know we'll talk about some more standout moments when we when we get to that part. One of the the one line that I had from the first Avenger was actually when I believe it's Tommy Lee Jones character. I always forget this character's name when he goes, he's still skinny. And that's it's such a such a simple kind of funny line and this is of course before steve has had the super soldier serum and he's Mm -hmm. clearly proven himself uh, in terms of who he is in terms of his character and i'm sure his his moral character i mean by that and i'm sure we'll talk about that in a few minutes but this is just a bit of a throwaway line where it's it's just interesting to me where he's still kind of being evaluated on the the physicality, even though he has clearly proven himself to be, perhaps in terms of that moral moral character, the strongest of anyone there, and it's it's obviously also sort of said flippantly, but I, I that one stood out to me. Yeah, no, definitely that that actually does make me think a bit about like, you know, seeing him in a different lens in What If, which I know is is separate in some way, you know, the multiverse and everything, but seeing him without the powers at least still knowing that he is able to yeah. fight the good fight and still able to, I guess, have that opportunity in that sense. Um, and even not having that physical power, he'll still do what is right. As we see with how his power, he never gets it. He's never the one to get it in that scenario. So I think that's, that's a nice like connection there. It's an excellent point. I wasn't even thinking about that arc and what if, but you're right. There's still, there's so much consistency in, in who he is at his core, even in that alternate universe. Oh, most definitely. Um, another one that probably one of the more iconic ones in the whole like MCU and I think is is in, in Avengers when Tony, you know, they're having their back and forth talking about the ethics and everything. Um, and he says, everything that's special out of you came out of the bottle. Yeah. Um, I think that's, again, another person viewing him in a not so positive way, thinking like not realizing who he is at that point, thinking that, you know, Red Skull was like, hey, you have this power, you should be using it. Tony Stark was like, you're nothing without it. You know, you are this power. There's nothing inherently special about who you are as a person, or at least like at that point, that's what that line can suggest he was saying. And I think we see throughout a story that you know, it's definitely not so simple. They definitely come to understand each other a little better. And that's yeah. probably the biggest line to like the biggest payoff at the end of the day, being able to lift Mjolnir um, among everything else. 
my friend Kat Delandry says all the time when <laughs> when looking at indirect characterization that if you have a line this loaded coming out of a, a character's mouth about another character, what she always says is what Sally says of Sue says more of Sally than of Sue. And it's a, a tongue twister and I tease her about it. But uh, and then this, this is not the Tony Stark episode. Believe me, if the Steve Rogers episode, it feels as big as it is Tony Stark with 359 minutes of screen time. That's going to be a really big episode. But all that to say that when Tony says this line about Steve, it also says a lot about Tony and where he's coming from. And he also in the same movie in Avengers uh, flippantly refers to Captain America as the guy my dad couldn't shut up about, which, again, also reveals something about Tony, right? Maybe this kind of expectation that was placed upon him or maybe what he grew up with, like seeing as as um, as someone who his dad really admired. This is the same film in which Coulson calls him the world's first superhero and uh, and the film in which Loki calls him the soldier and the man out of time. So certainly this is an interesting one, Avengers, because you're right. Some of these comments are kind of painting Captain America in, in a bit more of a negative light or they're coming from people who don't know him yet. And it was a reminder for me, too, that when Avengers first came out, we didn't fully know him yet. Right. We're still kind of learning what his role was going to be on the team. Right. The soldier. And we are still learning what what is he going to do as the man out of time and how is he going to to deal with this? So that was a fun one to revisit his scenes in Avengers and look at it through through this light. No, definitely. I think um, what you just said kind of gave me like another thought that I hadn't really considered before. And that, um, like you said, it kind of reflects on Tony, but but even in their relationship and their progression of the relationship you know, saying like, hey, Steve, you're nothing without these powers is kind of like a nice contrast to when he says, um, you know, to, to Spider-Man in Homecoming, if you're nothing without the suit, then you mm. shouldn't have it. Maybe it's connected in some sort of like, hey, I realized yeah. that, you know, it's much more than just your powers, your suit, your shield, um, any of that stuff. Maybe he realizes that about Steve or just about in general at that point in his story. Whereas, you know, because now he's here telling Peter it's not just the power, it's not just the scene, it has to be the person underneath. I really like that connection. It makes me feel like there's a lot to dig into when it comes to not just Tony, but the Tony and Steve relationship, which could perhaps warrant its, its own episode <laughs> to really look at the ways yeah. in which they come to understand each other better. And, and to your point, like, if there's an element to what Tony's saying to and about Spider-Man that might reflect some of his own growth and his thinking about Steve. I really like that. Most definitely. There's a lot to dig into with just their different ideologies and how they've come a long way in their own right and with each other in that sense. Absolutely. So what else do we have in terms of comments that other folks make about Steve? So again, I guess I think of um, some other ones that again are like, you know, people who don't fully really understand who he is or kind of have narrow viewpoint or just like their their view of him is not as positive it's two that i kind of think of as one from winter soldiers when not directly about him but kind of you know just about his his viewpoints when nick fury says shield takes the world as it is not as we'd like it to be and it's getting near, damn near past time for you to get with that program cap um it's just setting the stage so much for you know this whole movie is setting the stage for yes he is that man out of time but how will he adapt and how will he still hold on to who he is 
in spite of all these kind of changing circumstances. And I think you know, Nick Fury has this kind of, he sees him as, as this man out of time. He sees him as this man who has these outdated viewpoints, these um, ideas of right and wrong. They're so black and white that they don't really fit into today's landscape or they don't really fit into the complexities of the world today and shows how the world has changed. So I think that's, that's a big one for, you know, about, about Cap and his ideas and kind of like setting the stage for more to come. And then I think another thing in terms of conflict was when Ultron says in, in Age of Ultron, you know, God's righteous man thinking you can live without a war. Yeah. Um, said about him and like you mentioned, um, kind of the idea of going home, which we can touch on in different ways, but that kind of comes up in that whole, in, in what he sees when Wanda West messes with his mind. But it it is a, a, a thing like a, I guess a flaw people consider about in terms of maybe he does seek out conflict, maybe he does die best in it, maybe he's not made for peace as much as for these times of war and always find some trouble. Um, so it's not like, I don't, I don't think he actively seeks it out, just kind of like circumstantial a lot, but I guess that is some, some critique that some people have about him in that sense. Yeah, I think this most recent rewatch of Age of Ultron, which I focused again just on the Steve scenes, was really revelatory for me because I've never thought of Age of Ultron as being a particularly important entry in the Steve story, right? Just on the surface. Uh, I've always noted it as being an important moment for like the the Tony Steve relationship. But it took mm-hmm. this most recent viewing, like really having having a, a lens dedicated to it where I realized that there's a lot in Age of Ultron related to Cap's story. And that Ultron line is one that I noted as well. He's poking at the image, God's righteous man, right? Uh, To go back to Winter Soldier, the narration in the Smithsonian Museum calls him a hero to the world. That narration builds up the, the figure, the symbol of Captain America. It's a lot to live up to, as I mentioned before, right? Like there's this sense of Steve in this role of, okay, I am seen as a hero to the world. I am this role model. What am I going to do with that? And then you have Ultron kind of mocking that in a way and pointing out I what I think is an insecurity that Steve is dealing with and working through, that whole pretending you could live without war. If there's no war, what is the point of having Captain America? And I think what Steve really comes to realize is that there is this, this purpose to to the fight and tony has to kind of hold that mirror to him as well when tony says like isn't that why we fight to end the fight and i think that that's tony also reflecting some of that insecurity of like steve having to look at himself and say do i just want to keep this going because if everything is solved if peace is achieved if there's no need for the avengers then there's no need for captain america and then who am i and i i don't think it's it's as spelled out as all that and i think that steve has such a strong sense of his own purpose and who he is that it's not going to get there right it's not going to get to a place where he's really struggling with that and turns to that darker side but it is something that is at least um and I appreciate this about the Age of Ultron movie, it is at least raised as a question. And as you said, I think it brings up an opportunity for some people to look at the character in a more critical way and and question, right? Oh, who is he if this if he 
who is he if there's no conflict? And I think what he proves in that movie and what he proves time and time again is that he's still going to be the person who does what's right. He's still going to be the person who makes the sacrifices. And I really appreciated that motif of home and how that came up in Age of Ultron over and over again, right? Sam saying home is home, right? He, he says, um, Sam says, avenging is your world and your world is crazy. Steve says something about not being able to afford a place in Brooklyn and Sam says home is home. And then at the end, right, when he's talking with Tony, he says um, family and stability, the guy who wanted all that went into the ice, someone else came out. So this sense of consistency in himself, who he is, his morals, who he is at his core, but then this idea of the context has kind of changed exactly what his what his desires and his purpose might be. And he says, I'm home, referring to being at the Avengers headquarters, right? Tony is going off and he says, I'm home. He and Nat are going to train the next group of Avengers. Let's go to work, right? The fight continues, doing what's right continues. And I suppose that was a little bit of a tangent off of how other people describe him. But I was, uh, I was really engaged and interested in all of that when watching Age of Ultron this most recent time. Yeah, I think that's a very fair point. I feel like for that reason, among others, the whole um, comparison with him and Tony can come up a lot in this episode just because it, it it shows how they view each other, how they grow, all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, when they're having a conversation about finishing the war before it starts, that, that made me think when you mentioned about, yes, like he has a sense of purpose and he does get to this place. But again, in the meantime, questioning his relevance um, in a world of technology, in a world of all these geniuses who've, you know, new threats or new new things that he could have never predicted, that he's never used to having in his day. You know, it was just so black and white for him back then that he kind of wants, I guess, that sense of, you know, that sense of normalcy for him, which, you know, he, he thought he had found with with S.H.I.E.L.D. and Winter Soldier, but when he realized that they were kind of like corrupted as well, he... Emma, he sort of found that in the Avengers. Um, I guess this is continuing the tangent, but yeah, just to very quickly say that in Endgame, at least when when we're shown the the Steve Rogers that after everyone has been um, I guess blipped before it's even called blipped, um, mm-hmm. we don't get too much insight on what he's doing. But he's he's leading that support group. He's still doing what is right. He's still trying to help people in whatever way he can, even though he's not he's not throwing the shield around her. There's no one to fight in those cases as as far as we see until that opportunity does arise. Yeah, I love that scene too when he's in Endgame. See, the the this is great because focusing on the quotes gives us the opportunity to segue our way into some scenes where that we can touch on outside of the conversation of a few of the spotlighted scenes later. So I, I like mm-hmm. that approach. One line that I think is very powerful against said about him in the future was and Falcon, the Winter Soldier, when they're all talking about Carly and they're talking about the Super Soldier Serum and Zemo's talking about how it corrupts. Um, when Bucky says that the serum never corrupted Steve and Zemo replies, touche, but there's never been another Steve Rogers mm. has there. Um, just showing, again, how he's viewed in hindsight, how his legacy has stood up. And, and we'll touch on that later, but Falcon, the Winter Soldier is such a deep dive into the identity of Captain America more yeah. so than Steve Rogers or what he'd embodied that, that person to become, um, expanding it in so many different ways. But I think at least for this line, just to show that like, 
he is idolized by so many. He is a symbol of doing what's right. Um, I think it's easier in hindsight too for for them to kind of focus on what he did right and all the people he saved and everything. But you know, it's it's important not to forget the things he did struggle with, the insecurities he did have that that did humanize him a bit. That he wasn't just this yeah he wasn't just a symbol or this idol or this god. Like we said, he was. This, human you know and he still dealt with those things even though it may seem simpler to just be like oh back when he held the shield it meant this or mm-hmm. he did this did this way it is so interesting now you got me thinking about where we've seen his legacy in the mcu continue and i know we're gonna touch on that again later but what you're saying is is making me think of a few other places where we've seen his legacy live on and it also almost makes me wonder if the Steve who we know and love would agree with or endorse everything that we we have seen in terms of of his presence as it continues in the MCU world. But we'll come back to that in a little bit. In the meantime, I did also want to have us think about some moments in which Steve describes himself and how those may compare with the ways in which others describe him and the the first one that I noted from the first Avenger is when Red Skull asks what makes him so special and he says nothing I'm just a kid from Brooklyn and he mentions being from Brooklyn a few times throughout the MCU there's also the moment there and he's when he's talking to Wanda in Civil War and he talks about how um, when Romulo said Bucky's name I was that 16 year old kid in Brooklyn again right like this uh, being a kid and being from Brooklyn are things that come out of his mouth often. And I love that. It's that being in touch with where he comes from and not when he comes from, right, but where he comes from. And even though we know that that also connotes when as well, um, but this sense of being a kid, even though he has been around for so long, like there's still that that sense of of when he was a kid and uh, that sense of home in terms of what home was uh, versus perhaps what it could be in the future. Yeah. And I think those, that line, again, like you said, speaks to his humble beginnings and those beginnings that, that come back again and again. Um, I think earlier in that same movie, when he tells Dr. Erskine, I don't want to kill anyone, but I don't like bullies. I don't care where they're from. Yeah. I think that also speaks to his core. That also speaks to who he is and who he starts out as. Um, powers are not like Skull asks him what's so special about him. It's, it's not that there's something special. It's not that he was this big military general or something. It's just that that's that's who he was. And he just wanted to do what was right and fight for what's right and fight for freedom. And that's kind of what he continued to do. Yeah, I got no right to do any less than them. This isn't about me, right? Uh, as you said from the very beginning, feeling like that, that humility and feeling like this was... Uh, this was responsibility and and this was duty and this was the right thing to do. Yeah, definitely. That I feel like we're bouncing off each other here. One quote make, reminds me of another quote that's on my list. So <laughs> continuing to go like that, like yeah. um, transitioning to Winter Soldier slightly where he says, for as long as I can remember, I just wanted to do what's right. I guess I'm not quite sure what that is anymore. Yeah, that's that scene in general with Peggy is amazing. And just that, that line does really paint the picture of yes he's still trying to do what was right but it's it's more complex now it's a much bigger world now 
So still lining up with, with I guess, how other people viewed him and, and those other lines we spoke about thinking that he was a man at a time or that he was, you know, just not coming to terms with how the world is. Um, this is a line where we see it's true. He, he, he isn't sure what to do in this new world. He just knows that he still wants to do what was right. He just has to define that that purpose or his relevance or what exactly that would mean in a modern context. Yeah, I appreciate your use of the term relevance too. I think that that's a big that's a big part of it and that's a, a term that I hadn't I hadn't specifically been thinking of, but it makes so much sense in terms of what he's struggling with. To to the point you made earlier too about his faith in people, one of the things he says to Peggy after that scene is that knowing that you helped found shield is half the reason I stay, right? This idea of like and he says this in Winter Soldier like his his faith is not in the institutions. His faith is in the people, right? So his love for Peggy and his love for Bucky are two real guiding stars in how how he lives his life in um, in the modern world. And I think that's so so special as well. No, definitely. One other one that really kind of just shows his attitude is his sort of jumping a little to civil war at the end and when he sends Tony that cell phone and he which kind of says, you know, my faith is in people, I guess, individuals. And I'm happy to say for the most part that they haven't let me down. You know, there, there could even be a lot to get into with the whole Civil War discussion, the whole ideological discussion of the Sokovia Accords and beyond and everything happens with Bucky. But again, at the end of the day, he stands by his team as as the, the wonderful, amazing leader that he is. He believes in fighting what, doing what is right for the people, fighting for the people and he kind of has this trust not, trust not only in himself and who he is, but also, um, you know, I get the sense that he does trust um, kind of this inherent trust in, in humanity and people um, as a whole to not want to put this oversight in them, to not want to take the choice away from them. I mean, especially not, especially with Hydra trying to kind of eliminate threats before they, they happen, which is kind of similar to, to Tony and, and putting these, limits or restrictions on on all these people in the Sokovia Accords. He, he does believe in them to do what is right. And he, I, I get the sense at least that he does, he's not so naive in that way. He just kind of knows that, um, you know, I do believe in people to do what is right. And if they don't, you know, they'll be held accountable and everything. Yeah. And on that note, I don't know if you have any other lines that Steve says, but this might be a good moment to segue into what are some of the other moments. And we've already touched on a number of them through the lines that we've selected. But what are some of the other moments that really demonstrate who this character is at his core and how he how he did grow over the course of his time in, in the MCU? And it, this is so tough. When I worked on this with Ellie, we started with like a, a number, like let's choose three each. And they were like, let's choose five to seven each. Like, <laughs> let's just figure out how many can we talk about in a way that feels uh, organic to do the character justice. So what we'll attempt to do, Danny, is go through chronologically and pinpoint some of the key moments. And I know we've touched on some of them already. So if we want to dig a little bit deeper into any particular aspect, we certainly can. And then, of course, we can we can include moments that we have not yet touched on. So beginning with Captain America, the first Avenger, any other moments from from that movie that we didn't yet talk about that you want to highlight? Yeah, um, I think 
again, there are so many good conversations with Dr. Erskine and, and kind of like leading up to everything. But I think like the uh, the one that seems like the quintessential Captain America, kind of the paint, painting the picture of who he is and who he will remain for the foreseeable future is um, there have been so many wonderful conversations with Dr. Erskine and, and one that really stands out is is right the night before he gets the serum and he becomes the Captain America that we see physically um, is when they talk about good becoming great, bad becoming worse. Um, and Erskine says to him, you must promise him one thing, just not be a perfect soldier, but a good man throughout, you know, to hold on to his humanity, to hold on to those, to those parts of himself who made him who he was. And again, it's kind of what we've been saying about him always doing what it's right. But I think this is like a, a, a big scene to like really paint that picture um, when we're first kind of meeting him and first getting to know him as a character. Also. Yeah. And it's such a consistent through line, this idea of, of being a good man. And it, it goes all the way full circle right before not to jump too far ahead to end game, but this is our way in which we get to talk about more moments when uh, right before he goes back to return the stones and he looks at Sam and we know now what he has already planned to do in his mind and how that relates to Sam. But he looks at Sam and he says, you're a good man, Sam. And it's echoing that that language that all along has remained for him, I think, that that guiding star of of what it really means to be Captain America. Like we like we've been saying, who he is at his core, and who he, um, I guess, just continues to be. Um, so, kind of trying to go chronological here. I think another one that we didn't specifically touch on was when he, you know, gave his whole speech in the end of Winter Soldier about the price of freedom mm-hmm. um, being so high and being this um, potentially heavy burden. How it's easier to. I guess just comply or I guess just kind of like give in in that sense. But that's another good line or good moment in terms of like sticking to his roots in a new environment, but adapting to that environment where it's like, now we have another organization. We still have Hydra. We still have them trying to use this modern environment to take your freedom away, to murder so many people before they even um, get the chance to become anything, you know, Dr. Strange on that list. Yeah. Yeah. that they were going to take out. So I thank him kind of giving that speech just reinforces who he is and reinforces that his ideals are not as outdated as people think. He just needed to adapt to kind of win the fight. Well, one of my favorite parts about that speech, and, and that is one of my favorite Steve moments in the entirety of the MCU, Winter Soldier being one of my favorite movies in the entirety of MCU, and, and my favorite Steve story is Winter Soldier. Is it the same for you? Is Winter Soldier your favorite um, yes. Yeah, I think so. It's something I like try to always think of when we get the new installments and everything, yeah. <laughs> but I feel like that's definitely, I mean, it started it all and it's kind of the one I keep going back to specifically for just all the best Steve moments it's among so other special. things. It's so special. Uh, the Steve moments, the Natasha moments, the Sam moments, I, it's such a, such a fantastic movie. And, um, what I was going to say is that part of what stands out about that speech to me too is that the price of freedom is high speech is when he says, if I'm the only one, you know, in other words, willing to pay the price, so be it. But I'm willing to bet I'm not. 
And that's such a moment when I talk about how how I find this character inspiring. This is such a moment of what I was kind of getting at before, where he has such conviction in what he believes is right that it doesn't come but it it doesn't come off as arrogant. It's this it's this mm. sense of I know that this is the right thing to do, and I know that other I know that if I lead, others are going to follow me. I'm willing to bet that I'm not the only one who's willing to do this. It's that faith in people. It's that leadership. It's that confidence. It's that conviction. And uh, it, it, it's so inspiring. I have to say, though, so <laughs> Winter Soldier has always been one of my favorite MCU movies. And uh, and what I've always referred to as, as my favorite Steve Rogers entry in the MCU and, and still is, although, as I said, doing this rewatch is really given me a lot of appreciation for some of the way his arc develops in other movies. This time around, of the films that I revisited, Winter Soldier was probably the hardest one to not skip around because I just wanted to watch the whole movie. And I watched most of the whole movie for Winter Soldier. It was easier with some of the Avengers ones to just skip to the Steve parts for for my purposes of this exercise. Um, But then the other one that I watched the whole thing was the first Avenger because I hadn't seen that one in a while. It's not one that I rewatch as often. And so if we're talking about some highlights here today, I I don't want to get too sidetracked in talking too much about what I really enjoyed about the first Avenger this time around. Because I've, I've never done a full length deep dive into first Avenger and I think it'd be really, really fun to do so. But there was a couple of things I can't help myself that I want to point out where were kind of new revelations for me on on this watch and i i don't think that i realized that in the very first scene we we see of steve rogers when he's getting rejected from enlisting in the army we find out that his parents died as heroes in world war one right his father as a soldier and his mother as a nurse i I don't Mm -hmm. know if i had fully put that together when i was reflecting on the character and i thought that that was an interesting way of kind of seeing where he came from and perhaps who inspired him. So I I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed when he's sitting at the movie theater and he's watching the wartime, you know, uh, I'm going to use the word propaganda. I don't mean that in the negative connotation way, but he's watching the wartime, you know, propaganda ad. uh, And the language that is used in the advertisement is the price of freedom is never too high. So we see how that is something that has stuck with him. That's echoed in that speech in Winter Soldier. And one of the things that also really struck me is Bucky tells him it's, you know, it's illegal to lie on your enlistment form. And yet he's doing it over and over again. And this is uh, I really like this about Steve for all of the comments about him maybe being a goody goody or 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 what whatever that might be. He his moral compass does allow him to bend the rules for what is right, right? He is going to lie on his enlistment form over and over and over again. He's going to bend the rules. He's going to do something that's even illegal in this case because it's in service for this thing that is right. And we're going to see that come up again later with the Sokovia Accords as well, right? Like, I'm not going to sign the thing because... I believe that what I'm doing is what's right. So I really appreciated this time around just seeing where some of the groundwork for what we really see from Steve later on in in the course of the MCU is really laid very early on in First Avenger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that is an interesting thing that that if 
again, like you said, taking the deeper dive at First Avenger, like, yes, like, I definitely know the movie well, but I think, um, like you said, revisiting it and digging deeper could be good for those under the surface things or for seeing how those really do pay off and really do hold true. Um, that was actually another one on my list that you did mention about how he was in Civil War and how he's, he did bend the rules and everything. Um, and just that among other times where we see it doesn't matter if he's fighting alone. He's willing to fight alone and he's willing to be apart from other people um, in service of doing what he thinks is right, which is kind of seen in the division and seen in his argument about the Sokovia Accords where he is very, I guess, you know, gung-ho in a, in a sense, steadfast in his way of just like, this is what's right. You know, he, he kind of does stand opposed to it. Um, knows that even when Nat tells him like, you know, you could, you could come sign this now and then just make things easier, keep us a family and everything. Um, but that argument that discourse continues because it's him standing by what he believes in, despite the people around him not sharing that viewpoint. Um, and he stands by that just, he's not looking to appease everybody. He's not looking to just avoid conflict for the sake of avoid conflict. You know, he's willing to fight yeah. and stand up for what he believes in. Um, if that is, if that means he'll be alone and so be it, that he's still going to do that. And I think that's, it's a nice contrast because it again shows even winter soldier, you could see with the goal of everyone trying to kill all these people and kill all these different threats before they happen as, as a severe, severe um, way where kind of like using the security or using this, this oversight could be in a negative way. Um, and it's a similar line of thought to why he opposes the Sokovia Accords, but that's more of a, a, a line that's open to interpretation or a, kind of like a whole political discussion or discussion about everyone, you know, how we've discussed being team cap or team Iron Man right. and all those thoughts that come with it. Like to, to focus on what it means to his character more so than to, to talk about the accords themselves. Like I think <laughs> this discussion definitely does make me want to do a, a cap versus Iron Man or a more like ideological yeah, thing like that. Definitely. Well, as you're talking about how, you know, he's 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 willing to to be alone if that's what it what it's going to take. I I can't help but think about the line I already referenced, but you know, when the whole world is telling you that something wrong is something right, plant yourself like a tree and say no, you move, right? And that is very much at the core of Steve, who Steve is, right? No, you move, right? Like I'll compromise where I can, but where I can't, I'm not going to. Ah, I just I love that line so much. It, it's so consistent with everything that we that we see from him and connected to the theme of sacrifice. And, and we didn't even mention a couple of the scenes where he proves his sacrificial nature, jumping on the, the dummy grenade uh, in his training in First Avengers. And then, of course, at the end of First Avenger, when he, um, you know, put puts the ship in the puts the plane in the water and uh, makes that makes that choice, right? He always also uses the language of choice a lot, right? Peggy, this is my choice. And then in Civil War, to your point, talking about how, well, Tony, you had a choice, right? We don't want to surrender our right to choose. It's a big, consistent part of of who he is as well. So we're circling a lot of things. We're circling the the uh, steadfastness in in doing what's right. We're, circ we're circling the, the sacrificial nature, the cho choice, the belief in agency, 
the leadership, I, there, there's so much, even like if you look at Avengers and Age of Ultron, where we see his role emerging on the Avengers team and we see that leadership, how he brings people together. And there's there's always the ongoing jokes about his speeches, but how he's really able to to rally the team, you know, in Avengers, how do we do this as a team in Age of Ultron? Um, what's the line? Let me find it. Oh, um, that this might not may or may not be what you're thinking of, but I know when when he's talking to Tony about creating Ultron and you know yes. up there, that's Endgame. You know that if we lose, then we'll do that together too. That's it. That's the one I was thinking of, right? How are we going to do this together? Um, then we'll do that together too. Yeah. So so that real sense of um, the way that he brings the team together. So there is, of course, so much more that we could say about Steve's appearances in those films. The first Avenger, Avengers, Winter Soldier, Age of Ultron, Civil War. But let's move on to Infinity War and Endgame, where we see, of course, his story continue and also come to come to its end. At least we think, at least for now, probably, question mark, um, uh, in, in those two movies. So what are some standout scenes related to Cap's arc in Infinity War and Endgame? Well, I think... Just kind of seeing like like when we talk about the the effects of civil war and the aftermath of it, seeing that he is just with um, Black Widow and just with the Falcon, more so just fighting on their own without the support of the government. Actually, they're like huge shifts at that point or whatever. But so, you know, again, reinforcing the fact that they are standing out, his appearance, that he's let it, he's he's abandoned the shield at that point. He's shown like you mentioned earlier a specific moment that shows that he is more than the shield or more than what the shield may represent he'll still do what is right without the backing of his former allies or without the backing of the government and seeing him kind of you know without the, the the ragged uniform shows that like hey i'm I'm still fighting the good fight i'm just not i, I guess i've just evolved or i've grown from this kind of like poster boy can do no wrong kind of kind of person mm-hmm. that people thought of him before. Yeah, I love in Infinity War the the visual signifier of some of the growth. I don't even know if the growth is the right term because we've talked so much about how his his morals, his compass, who he is at his core has remained consistent. But the the circumstances that he's going through, the visual signifier of the beard and the longer hair, which I mean, obviously he nails it. He looks great. And that scene when he first shows up in Infinity War, when the train goes by and then you see his silhouette and then the music drops and like I get chills every single time. Um, but but yes, there's this visual signifier that that some time has gone by and things have gotten kind of rough for him and, and Sam and Nat. And I've always wanted to see more of that story. Um, but to your point, even um, to, to go back, I know there's so much that we that we said we were going to just try to focus on highlights, but even the end of Civil War, right? Tony's telling him that shield doesn't belong to you. You don't deserve it, right? My dad made that shield. He throws it down. He he's not arguing with Tony. He's not proving, mm-hmm. oh, this is this is why I deserve the shield, right? He throws it on the ground. Fine. I am more than this shield. And um that's so powerful. And we see him in Infinity War and, and he doesn't he doesn't have it. Yeah, and I think that to tie that into where he is in Infinity War that directly leads to after Iron Man does stow away on the ship along with Spider-Man how he does kind of just come back to the compound, go 
home, which he says, which could yeah. be a whole nother point again about, about your, your idea of what home means to him. But, but you, what you said reminded me of it because it's basically like, he basically told General Ross, like, I'm, I'm done asking permission. I don't care if I'm supposed to be here, if I'm a fugitive or anything like that, I'm still here to fight and I'm got nothing to prove to you just as he kind of felt when he uh, dropped the shield for Tony. He, he didn't argue. He's just like, okay, I'm still going to be the same man that I am. Yeah. Um, and fight the good fight. Even if, even if I don't have your support, I need to be here. And this one needs to happen again and bending the rules of, I guess you could say I'm technically being uh, against the law at that point or, or outside of the law yep. going against Ross. Yeah. Th- there's the sense in infinity war where, if anything, his conviction has has just gotten that much stronger. Telling Vision, we don't trade lives, right? What I, a scene that I've always found interesting is Vision when he tells Vision, we don't trade lives. Vision says to him, "Well, didn't you lay your life down? You know, however many years ago." And Steve doesn't have an opportunity to respond because Bruce jumps in, and Bruce says, "You know, well, the difference is that you may have a choice." Steve doesn't get to answer. And I've always been so curious about would that have been Steve's response too? Would Steve's response have been like, you know, I didn't I didn't have a choice. Like we do have a choice here. Um, but it's interesting that that doesn't come from Steve. It comes from Bruce. And and I think some of it is just the sense of like when, when writers are writing a scene where they're balancing so many different characters, right? They have to have all of the characters jump in and, and bounce off of each other. But well, I don't know. What do you make of that? Like what would Steve, what was, what was Steve going to say? Yeah, no, it's really interesting to think. Um, I guess again, just it's it's like Bruce said about having a choice. I think something along that nature. But I, yeah. I I'm thinking of like hard to pinpoint exactly what he would say. But I feel like I can see um, you know things that might be going on in his mind at that point. Because yeah. yes, he has that sacrificial nature of laying down his life for others. But at the same time, because of his belief in people, because of his perseverance and fighting and never giving up the fight he'll always do whatever it takes to avoid any kind of loss or catastrophe like that any kind of like losing teammates just because of how well he works on a team how well he works as a leader you know he he does tell Wanda yes um sometimes we do lose people and sometimes things do happen and we have to keep moving forward but at the same time in the scene with vision it's like that's a last resort that's a that's it's an unfortunate consequence, but it's not something that he's going to knowingly do. He's yeah. not going to give up on that he knows he can save, or at least try to save in this case. So I think it's like different in that sense for maybe in some people's opinion, unjustifiably so, but it's, it's easier for him to kind of like be that hero and lay down his life as opposed to letting other people do that for him or for humanity because um, he'll do whatever he can to make sure that that isn't even necessary. Yeah, and I think what you're touching on now is making me think about some of what comes up in Endgame and where we see the the, the culmination of Steve's story. And I know a lot of folks were not 100% satisfied with how Steve's story ended in Endgame, and so I'm curious to hear from you, what did you think of where the character ended up? Mm-hmm. Well, even just to mention some standout moments that lead to this whole point too, with um, basically like an Infinity War and game that I loved is him facing off against Thanos and that kind of yes. culminating in his story. And again, him standing up against such a great force, a force that he 
can't hope to beat in Infinity War when he tries to take the glove off or at least hold his hand back. Incredible strength and 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 conviction of of Cap to stand up to someone so much stronger than he is. Um, and and we see this mirrored again in in Endgame. I think my favorite visual that I just keep thinking about is when he basically after getting beat up by Thanos and everyone, um, he gets back up and he yes. straps on his shield, even though he has a big gash, and yeah. he just stares down the army <laughs> that that's is so that good. is on the other side of him. I know that's when reinforcements arrive, luckily, but you have to think if reinforcements didn't, he would have ran up to that army. He would have done all he could to stop them, even though it did look pretty hopeless at that point. And I think... Yes, he stands up for what he believes in ideologically, and, and that's who he is ideologically. But right, if I'm the only one, so be it. And and he's willing to bet he's not. And right, that faith in people; those people came through. They came through those portals. But he was going to stand down Thanos anyway. Such a powerful visual with that broken shield. Definitely, yeah. And I I, I love that that scene and everything. And and I guess back to your question about how do I feel specifically about his story? How his story ended. Um, I guess I could see why they did it in terms of like, you know, writing him out and everything. And then like you talk about home, he kind of gets back to that home and gets back to that, that love that he had. Um, I don't know. I've like mixed feelings about it. I, it's not like for me, I still enjoyed it and I enjoyed seeing it and him happy and living a life. And I guess I, I know it was like a method of kind of like writing him out of the story in that sense and making it so he has a reason for not being there. But sometimes I feel like it, it wasn't, the strongest moment for me in terms of like I guess moments for him as opposed to, yeah. to all these other moments we talked about. I, I'm glad you said that because I similarly feel like I was not hit as hard by let's say the scene at the end when he's finally dancing with Peggy which is lovely right and happy to see him happy and that song playing and they get their dance it is lovely didn't hit me mm -hmm. as hard as let's say the moment where earlier in Endgame when he uh, sits down with Nat at the headquarters and they have that conversation in which he says, you know, I keep telling everyone to move on and to grow. Some do, but not us, right? And that beautiful moment between those two characters where she is really struggling with this, right? If I move on, who does this? And he says, maybe it doesn't need to be done. And uh, she says, I think we both need to get a life. And he says, uh, or he says, I think we both need to get a life. And she says, you first, right? So we have, um, like, that moment is really hitting me. And uh, the scene that you mentioned where he's facing down Thanos is really hitting me. Avengers catches Mjolnir, assemble. Obviously, that is like, that is the mm -hmm. moment, right? Um, so there's so many things in this in in his story up to this point and even in Endgame that hit hard. And then I I never felt as much of that emotional connection to the ending, to the dance with Peggy or to when we see old man Cap. And I um, it's always something that like you, I've had these mixed feelings on like, hmm, what what would have been the, the perfect ending for me? Is there a perfect ending for Steve Rogers in the MCU that, that would have satisfied me more fully? And I, I came to a little bit of a revelation on this most recent watch, which is I've talked with people before and there's been this almost this question of, is this consistent with something that our Steve Rogers would do? Would he really decide to, you know, return the stones and then to live out his life with Peggy and do something that appears on the surface uh, a, a bit more selfish than what we know Steve to do? 
And I and I don't even mean selfish or I don't think that these other comments mean it in like selfish in a really bad way, but just doing something a bit more for himself that quote, get a life, right? That quote, move on. Um, and then I realized that uh, I can't see it that way at all because it, it, this moment where he decides to go back and he's clearly told Bucky, you can see on Bucky's face that Bucky knows that Steve's mm-hmm. not coming back. And you know that Bucky knows that Steve has told him about the plan for Sam. And I love that. I think that's beautiful. It, it felt for me much more consistent with his character this time because I said to myself, oh, his going back and not living out this life uh, in, in the, this current timeline with the rest of the Avengers is not selfish in that he's 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 taking himself out of this this equation where he's been such a valuable player and he's done so much to save the world like all of that has happened right we know the way that the alternate timelines work is that it doesn't undo any of that but it's this realization that's consistent with who he is that it doesn't need to be him captain america does not need to be him steve rogers right he puts his faith in people and he puts his faith in sam and that's not selfish, right? That's true leadership. That's that's the sense of when I'm gone, regardless of when that's going to be, who is going to to carry what it is that I've stood for? Who who do I put my faith in to continue to use some of his words, the mission, the job, right? Um, to carry the symbol. Who is going to be the next, you know, quote, good man? who can do this. And so for me, I felt much more watching it this time. Like I could see it from that perspective of, oh, he's, he's really being a leader here. Sam says that line, you know, I don't really, not, not really thrilled to be living in a world without Captain America. And Steve, I forget exactly what the line he says to him is, but he's like, you know, basically like, well, you're you're not <laughs> you're not going to be living in a world without Captain America because Captain America is not just me. It's something bigger than Steve Rogers. And I I I really um that was revelatory for me to view it from that way. And I think just the um it was it was personal growth in that sense that he was even able to you know to say no I'm done. You know I mean yeah. he definitely earned it with everything he did, but that from what we see of him, he's always trying to find his relevance and his purpose. And that is in saving the world and doing what's right and doing what's right for him is, is kind of like living in these quote unquote times of war or conflict, whether they're, you know, the actual war in World War II or, or Thanos or Ultron and, and everything else. But I think, I think like you said, seeing Sam and honestly, probably just seeing everyone yeah. in that fight and knowing how many heroes there are and how many people there are to, carry on the good fight and to continue to do what is right in his absence. And yes, as it did for him, it'll get more complicated, which I'm sure will come up when we talk about his legacy, but it's still, it's still um, that faith in people and that ability to actually find the home and actually settle for the home that, that he wanted this whole time. And I, I think it does work in that way. Yeah. It's, it's hard to think, you know, I've also thought of like, if there's a more perfect way to do it or different way to do it, I think, like I like the general idea of it, of it, even if there was some other different way to do it where he did settle down. I guess it just it would have been harder because if he didn't go back like that, then there always would have been the question of like, I don't know, can you really avoid a fight if you're just here sitting on the sidelines? If he was right. 
still young, still fully capable and watching what will happen in the world with the thing in the multiverse now um, from what we're seeing. Would he really be able to sit on the sidelines? Um, right. If he went back and lived his life to the fullest, he's at least older. That is a good reason for him to be like, okay, well, I do believe in people. I do want to leave it to other people. And I did accept that, made that choice no matter what. That's a great point. Now, you've alluded a few times to how we see his legacy live on in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and how his presence continues to be felt in the MCU. So what are what are the standouts there for you in terms of what we've seen of Steve in the MCU since there's been no more Steve in the MCU? Mm, yeah, I think it's... um. Even even as people did in his lifetime, especially as they're doing, looking back, idolizing him, you know, which is why I think it separate worked so well to have Bucky there to, to remind Sam of all the things that Steve went through and, and on all the things that he didn't know. But yeah, it's easier to look back in hindsight and look at this man who saved the world countless times again and, and see them as this unattainable thing, this thing that you couldn't hope to be, that Sam couldn't have hoped to be. So this kind of putting him on this pedestal that in Sam's mind and other people's minds that it was, yes, it was reminiscent of a simpler time or a more straightforward time, I guess, but at the same time, something that was also very unattainable in their eyes. Yeah. And it makes me think too, like what would Steve think about the way that he is um, memorialized? We, we see him interact with that sense of his own history in Winter Soldier with the Smithsonian exhibit, and uh, which is so cool to me, especially as somebody who, you know, as a history teacher, like this idea of interacting with the, the stories of the past and like what that would be like to, to view your own history in front of you, right? What gets told and what gets left out and uh, what is the narrative that's crafted? And I wonder the extent to which he would feel comfortable with let's say what we see in Spider-Man No Way Home. And I guess quick spoiler warning for Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, but what we see with the Statue of Liberty, the redesign of the Statue of Liberty with the Captain America shield. And what we see in Hawkeye with Rogers the musical. And and so the the specter of Captain America is still very much present in the city of New York and in this post-Endgame world. I, I don't know. Do you have any insight into what, how do you think Steve would interact with that? Is this something that he would feel comfortable with? Yeah. Um, one thing that also crossed my mind when you were when you were saying all that too is it also a nice little parallel to Enter the Spider Verse. Just that that line or that idea that anyone could wear the mask or anyone yeah. can put on the suit. I think that's very reminiscent again, and like you said about his idea of kind of like settling down, him thinking that it could be anyone, his Great faith point. in people. He, mm -hmm whether it's the role of Captain America or otherwise. So I think that kind of ties into how he'd feel about this in terms of, yes, I mean, he he understands the power of a symbol. He was a symbol and he knew how people looked up to him while he was active as Captain America. So he understands the benefits of it. But I think he, he would want them to kind of like be wary of like idolizing him, you know, of, of kind of thinking that he's this, again, holier-than-thou person that, that they can't be, that his belief in people is so high that he would want it to inspire people to do better and inspire people to do what was right. And he wouldn't want it to, I guess, hold them back at all or discourage them or anything like that because I think 
at the end of the day, he'd want those symbols to basically remind people of what his core was and, and help them strive to do what's right and help them strive to be better, be good to each other and yeah. take care of the world in that sense. Oh man. I mean, I mean, I'm inclined to agree. I, <laughs> as, as another person who, who looks up to the character in the way that you do, I, I, I would think the same thing. I, I definitely think you could think some of the things that they've done are, are a little much like yeah. <laughs> Statue of Liberty. I mean, you know, replacing such a big idol that I'm sure he always like looked to or looked at um, in his life or just realized the American significance. So I'm sure that's something that he would think is a little much, maybe even like Rogers the musical being about the Avengers, but named after him. Um Again, it just like paints this image of this man who can do no wrong when he did struggle and he did go through so right. much that it's important for people to remember that he was very much human and he goes through or went through a lot of the same things that they do and they will. I mean, I again, just that parallel between um, Winter Soldier and him being a man out of time to Falcon the Winter Soldier, where honestly, some people say the idea of Captain America is out of time or it's kind of like mm-hmm. not relevant there and how that kind of shapes how that's expanded just how his his view of what is right and his view of how to do what is right is expanded in in all these other movies but especially in falcon the winter soldier where it's not as clear gun dry absolutely as it was for him against all these different villains you know going from first avenger to winter soldier and now to falcon the winter soldier it's it's hard to know exactly what he'd do because the world is different, but just like Sam does. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think he picked him. That Sam always tries to do what is right in those in that case. Um, just a matter of figuring out what that is. Yeah, and I can't wait to see how that influence is felt in um, the next Captain America film as well. Like seeing seeing Sam at the helm and and seeing, you know, what's so what's so wonderful about this story is that we've talked so much about Steve here today and some of the elements related to Steve are also so central to the Captain America figure. But then there's also specific things about Sam that are spe- that are unique to him and, and that will in many ways kind of uh, take what Captain America means in this new context to that new level. So I'm very much looking forward to that as well. All right. So the other exercise that we are introducing here as as part of the character analysis spotlights, I, I did this with Ellie uh, from Oh Shoot about Peter Parker, and she was very well prepared for this because Ellie is a person who already has character playlists that she's created for characters within the MCU. But in doing a character deep dive and thinking about the themes that are so central to a character's arc... I can't help but think about music and music obviously plays a big role in the MCU, uh, both the scores and the needle drops. And and there are moments related to this character, Steve, in which music plays an integral role. But I thought it would be fun for us to think about what would be a few songs that if we're crafting a playlist for the character, Steve Rogers, uh, what are some of the songs that would fit on that list? So do you have a few ideas, Danny? Yes. Yeah, I have. Um, Five, if that's not too many, but I'm trying I like to keep it. it like, and this I, I will say is probably the most difficult part. I think music plays a big part in my life, but that's, it was more the abundance problem of yeah. like, there's so <laughs> many, I could kind of like 
figure out. I drafted a whole bunch and I'm like, which of these are more of a stretch, which of these kind of like follow the progression. So definitely difficult because um, there's so much to choose from, but pretty happy with my picks. Um, I guess we can go one for one with each other, but yeah, the, the first one I wanted to start out with and it's a movie <laughs> which uh, the songs have been on my mind a lot lately. This is Encanto. Um, Waiting on a Miracle is my oh, first pick. Nice. Yeah, I think I think it reminds me of him in the beginning, starting out as the first Avenger before he got the power, before he got anything. Um, his desire to kind of be more and do more. And yes, he had these ideals and he wanted to do all of that, but he couldn't because, you know, he just didn't have the means to. He just wasn't given the opportunities to. He wasn't able to go fight like he wanted to, similar to like, you know, Mirabelle's song in the movie, she sees all these people around around her, her family with all these powers and gifts and abilities, much like how Steve Rogers views all the people that are going to war and are fighting for the country and are fighting the good fight. So he wants a chance just like Mirabelle does and he wants that opportunity, which he does get, as we know, but that desire to get it. That's a beautiful connection, Danny. That's really thoughtful. My my choices here are are all over the place. And as you said, there there's really so many different directions that you could go with this. And I started from a place of if I'm looking at Steve's arc about as if I'm looking at Steve's arc as being related to this idea of of home and in finding his way home, if I'm looking at this idea of his relationship to Bucky being so central to to who he is and his relationship to Peggy as well. I think you could kind of um for this for the song I'm going to mention, I think you could kind of uh think of it as being connected to either Bucky or Peggy or both. And it's a song by the Beatles called Two of Us and it's um the the lyric that really stuck out to me on, on that topic of home was was uh they sing we're on our way home we're going home a number of times it's a song written by paul mccartney and john lennon very much about their relationship to each other and it's about yeah like these these two people who are in relationship to one another and are are uh connected in this fundamental way and um you know, heading home together. And so it, it really brought up this idea for me about that ongoing relationship with Bucky and um and that idea of heading home with Peggy. So that was a song that's that stuck out to me. What else you got? Mm-hmm. No, I really like that too. I really like that emphasis on home and relationships there. I think um that kind of ties into my next pick, which again, so many ways to go with it. I, I guess I was thinking semi-chronologically, but it doesn't always go like that. The next one's a song by Tori Kelly. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but um, it's called Kid I Used to Know. And it's just all about kind of like, you know, how much things have changed. I know it's, I guess it's it's like, I love the kind of like going back to your roots story or that that trilogy idea where you're going back to parts of who you were, but it, it, it has to be different than it was. But that song just talks a lot about like, you know, you can't go back to the way, can't go back to the way that things were when you were a kid, you know, when you mm. were younger and things were simpler. And I think that just reminds me about how, you know, your core still stays the same, just like Cap's core does. Um, despite things getting more complicated and all the times, I'm sure he wished he could just go back in Winter Soldier and in 
just the first Avengers movie. Um, well, the first Avengers team of movie, not his movie, the first Avenger. But right. <laughs> just the idea of, of wanting to go back, but knowing you can and having to kind of like make do with the present circumstances. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I am not familiar with the song, but I just looked up the the lyrics as you were talking about it. And I, I definitely see those connections. So I'll definitely have to check that out. I appreciate your sense of going chronologically and thematically too, because I'm all over the place. So <laughs> began with kind of that idea of home and those those key relationships in his life. And then I went to a place of like, well, dude went into the ice in 1945, comes back in 2012. He missed a lot of big changes in the music industry. He missed, mm-hmm. uh, he certainly missed the Beatles. And, uh, while, while two of us is one of my favorite songs by the Beatles, it's not one of the ones that is necessarily the, like, oh, if you've never heard the Beatles, this is the song you have to hear. Regardless, that's the one I chose because of the thematic connections, but he, he missed a lot. Right. So one of the things I want to play Steve, if I'm like adding to Steve's list that he's got about coming into this new century is, uh, Jimi Hendrix star spangled banner. <laughs> <laughs> And um, this is obviously a, a, a huge, huge uh, moment in, in rock and roll history when, when Jimi Hendrix plays the Star Spangled Banner and, uh, at, at Woodstock. And um, I feel like it, it's uh, that connection to a song that obviously Steve would know very well as the Star Spangled Man himself. But it would also be this great introduction to some rock and roll. And uh, I, I, he's just got to hear it. And so I'm, I'm putting it on the list for Steve Rogers <laughs> as a bridge between something familiar and, and, and something new for him. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's, that's, a, that's a nice approach you took in terms of like what songs should you hear <laughs> just on the basis of like how influential and how great they are. I think that could be a whole nother it would be, different yep. <laughs> playlist. It's like pick a song from each decade or pick a song from every five years or so to kind of like what you think he should hear to like know everything he needs to know about the world, which is hard, but I love the idea of that. Um, I guess my next one is... Yeah, I guess like like I said, not as chronological because I guess they aren't all like that. But this one is the um, the wind by Cat Stevens. Oh, such um, a good choice. Yeah, I feel like he's someone I got to more recently. Like one of my favorites by him because of Marvel is Father and Son. Yes. Um, there's been other songs that I've just like gotten to know through exploring him more. But I like the wind a lot in relation to Captain America because I mean just. Uh, just the line, for example, where he's like, I listen to the wind, to the wind of my soul. Um, I let the music take me where my heart wants to go. That that reminds me of that steadfastness, that confidence that Steve has in yeah. himself, and in his moral compass. And like you said, it's not about ex- figuring out who he is because he knows who he is. It's about, um, you know, just kind of letting that moral compass guide him in the changing circumstances and environments. And doing what he feels is best is how he says the safest hands are still our own. Yeah. That's a beautiful song and a really good choice. Uh, the next one I have here is kind of along the lines that I was thinking about, like, well, what genres would Steve be really, you know, surprised by or maybe taken with? And uh, Steve is very proud of being from Brooklyn. As we know, 
He's mentioned it a number of times. And so Steve is going to have to find out about Jay-Z at some point. And mm-hmm. as corny as as it might be, I uh, I absolutely feel like Steve is going to uh, work out or maybe go for a drive and hear the song Empire State of Mind and be like, what is this? And <laughs> how is this like so perfect? <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. I uh, I had to do it and I had to uh, not only think about the perspective of like other genres that Steve would need to be introduced to, but something that I feel like Skinny Steve in the 1940s probably never could have imagined uh, hip hop and uh, a song like Empire State of Mind. So I, um, it's it's New York. It's Steve. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, like you, just like you said, it's New York. I think for someone who talks so much about being from Brooklyn, from New York, that he would very much appreciate that song, very much appreciated it as being the nod to New York or the ode to New York that it is. Oh, yeah. So I think that's really, really cool there. Um, a good song to show him, hey, you know, that's, it's it's not all about forties music anymore. Love <laughs> yeah. music. Yeah. Um, I think my next one is more just about like his, I guess who he is or or that that faith in people that we said it's um, I believe in you by Michael Bublé. Um, nice. And this one I think mostly follows two people that are in a relationship with each other and they're kind of like talking about how their faith can be a burden. They believe in starting over. Um, you know, they can see that your heart is. Um, it's one line where there's like, I believe in starting over. I can see that your heart is true. And that's just, I mean, for one thing, he starts over many, many, many times in a lot of huge ways. But I think another big thing is this reminded me of his faith in people and his belief in people, um, despite the mistakes or the shortcomings or anything that's happened over history that he's, you know, definitely been caught up with in his gap. Um, this is still belief in people and in heroes, but in people in general to do what's right. I love that thematic connection there too. And for the the last one that I actually have, I just have four on my list. I, I probably could have gone more. I know you have a fifth one. Um, the last one I have here, kind of a different direction. Maybe it's just who I am. I can't help but go a little bit angsty. And even though that's that's not really who Cap is, I mean, you know, he, I, I think that the beard that was the angsty phase, maybe. But um, one of the things I can't help but notice, right, on that list in Winter Soldier, when uh, Sam recommends the Trouble Man soundtrack, which of course also would obviously also be on Steve's playlist, but there's also listed Nirvana (parentheses band). And we were talking about Batman earlier. Uh, Steve Rogers is not going to be the person who is listening to Something in the Way by Nirvana. That's that's not who he is. So I imagine mm-hmm. Steve Rogers goes and researches Nirvana, the band. And I, I can't imagine that there's too much that he feels a connection to in the style of music or the lyrical content with Nirvana. I, I just don't see him connecting with it too much, with perhaps the exception of the Nirvana cover of the David Bowie song, The Man Who Sold the World. And so that's what I'm choosing here, which is, um, as I said, a a Bowie song, but it's one that um, I know, like when I was growing up, I I heard the Nirvana version first. And I I, I think that's true for for some other people as well. 
there, there's some angst in this song. I like some of the lines here, right? We spoke of was and when, uh, although I wasn't there, he said I was his friend, which came as a surprise. Uh, I thought you died alone a long, long time ago. It makes me think of, of Steve's own experience, makes me think of Bucky. Yeah, I, I had to follow that thread. I had to go through that exercise of saying Nirvana is on his list. What the heck did he think when he discovered Nirvana? And I, I had to identify that cover as the song that would that would stick out to him. Yeah. And like you said, even if there's a bit of angst in there, it's still about that phase between Civil War and Endgame. You know, Civil War and yep. Infinity War, you know, throwing out the beer and everything. You don't know what he was listening to. Or I guess <laughs> um, it reminds me of what Tony says about him that, um, you know, it's like, I don't like a guy without a dark side. Yeah, Maybe yeah, just yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe it. there's some... Uh, some some hidden interests in terms of music and just in terms of like everyone needs to let loose once in a while. There you go. So if I'm but, doing my math correctly, you have one more? Yes. And this one is more service level, just a song that I kind of learned after I saw Endgame and everything and it kind of stuck because of that. But um, it's Whatever It Takes by Imagine Dragons. Mm. Um, just like yeah. the name of the I think it, it kind of related to all of the Avengers in Endgame, but I think especially Steve, since he was the one to give the speech to really galvanize them, get them together. But it's just, it seems like a like a really good song to, it's very reminiscent of their their big fights and their battles and everything. Um, their lines like adrenaline in my veins, how it feels when I break the chains. Um, that part too just reminds me of specifically Steve against other people because his fight for freedom and his fight for liberation in that sense, whether it's yeah. from whoever it's from, but it's still that, um, that fight doing whatever it takes, laying down his life, all those kind of like elements of his fighting spirit and leadership roles. Oh, that's such a good connection. That's such a great one to, to cap off. No pun intended the list, uh, as, <laughs> as well. Um, Ah, yeah, that's such a great choice. One of my other favorite Steve lines, we're going to win whatever it takes that we didn't get to touch on earlier. So I'm glad it came up here. Man, yeah, oh, that was really fun. Thank you so much for engaging in that exercise so thoughtfully, Danny. Oh, you're very welcome. Like I said, it definitely wasn't easy. There was a lot of no. like a lot to go through with that. You know, at least other things, it's like, oh, okay, I've thought of the ideas of Cap before, but I've never, I, I guess, again, I know you did do that with, with Spider-Man, but I... um it was still hard to go through and think of and try to like search for songs, but also have it come somewhat organically, you know, mm -hmm. at least the bright side is like um, a lot of these songs are just like songs I love in general and having a character who resonates so much with me, I guess it's easy to connect some of my favorite yeah. songs to this character. So that, that helped, but it was still hard to narrow down. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And one of the things that I, I intended to do and then time got away from me a little bit is uh, when I worked with Ellie, I wanted to post the list of, of the songs that we chose for Peter Parker. And I wanted to actually make uh, a Spotify playlist with the ones that she and I chose together. I know she has her own as well. And I would like to do the same for the Steve Rogers playlist is kind of put our choices together as uh, as as um all over the places they might be. And I mean that in the best way um, because mm -hmm. these characters contain multitudes and there's a lot of different ways to approach this, as you said, but I'd like to put them together uh, so that we kind of have a comprehensive list and people can check it out. So of course, uh, stay tuned through through social media uh, to to maybe check out uh, some, of these, some of these lists uh, if you are interested in it. 
And on that note, Danny, before we wrap up here tonight, any other lingering thoughts related to our guy, Steve Rogers? Lingering thoughts. Um, Well, I, I, I just like, again, having the chance to talk about him and dig a little deeper in that sense. It's, I think we saw how difficult it could be to kind of stay in one place in it because it's like, oh, this line in one movie kind of pays off in this movie or you mm-hmm. see the, the growth here and everything. So it's always not always easy to stay chronological in that sense and to kind of have that flow. But it was great digging deeper into this character because even him being my favorite, there are things that you brought up and, and ideas that you brought up that I didn't necessarily think of or didn't think of in the same way. And then just scenarios that that I wouldn't necessarily think of. So I liked getting that chance. And to your point, I think it did give me more more to think about, more context in terms of like how his story ended and the legacy that he left. I think that, that was especially something. Because like you said, it didn't resonate with us at first, but I think talking about it a bit more yeah. um, personally helped me see how it did make sense for his story and it did kind of like have this silver lining to it. Yeah, I agree. And I I can't thank you enough for engaging in this exercise with me. And I'm so excited that you uh, have continued to to maintain a relationship with me and with the podcast because your your insights are always so welcome. And I, I appreciate the thoughtfulness with which you approach all of these conversations that we've had. And especially to talk about a character like Steve, because I love him so much. I, um, it felt like it felt like a bit of a of a daunting task to to do a Steve episode. And when you and I were were chatting, and you brought him up as you know, obviously your your favorite character as well. I was like, let's do it, you know, like let let's let's give this character the the full analytical treatment that he deserves. And I, I'm so glad that we that we got to partner in this work. And I just thank you so much again and, and completely concur that in having having this conversation, there are things that I'm walking away with a, a deeper understanding about my own relationship to the character and new insights as well. So that's one of the, the, beautiful, the beautiful things about the MCU and about these characters and about these conversations. So just uh, as always, thank you for being a part of it. Of course. No, thank you so much for having me, I guess, to just top it all off just like the mcu movies laid into one another uh, so many times the, this conversation gave me so much more to think about so many other ideas of things to explore like you know the cap and tony relationship but i think yeah. as daunting as it was to talk about steve i think it was also like a really nice tribute to to his impact and yeah. on us and in general and kind of like a bit of the, how the mcu was and, and what it's leading towards being it was really nice if you enjoyed this character analysis deep dive on Steve Rogers, you can follow the podcast at idea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Please feel free to chime in with some of the characters that you hope to see highlighted soon in this series. And hey, let me know if you'd like to be on the show to discuss your favorite character. Artwork by Brooke Pender, who you can find on Instagram and music by Demeter Salvia, who you can find on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. Links are in the show notes. Thank you for listening and stay tuned next week for a uh, Another quick little detour into the DC universe. I'm joined by a brand new guest to dig into the world of Batman. And coming soon, the full There Was an Idea coverage of the MCU's Moon Knight.